General Mark Milley is defending his calls with China. I mean, we always this was this was routine. We always do this kind of thing. We always call our enemies and betray and undermine the president of the United States. All right, that is coming up. I mean, this really was borderline treason, as we we're going to explain. Uh, we finally have our second indictment in the Durham investigation. Congratulations! Pop the champagne. We have our second indictment in the in this bogus Durham investigation, John Durham. And look, this is not this is a token indictment. Somebody we have never heard of, as we've been expecting. And meanwhile, the and they, and I'd be surprised if he ever spends time in jail, especially now that Merrick Garland is the AG and, and the real criminals, right? James Comey, Andrew McCabe, possibly even Joe Biden, continue to roam free, and they're never going to get indicted. I mean, you remember Joe Biden? You remember Joe Biden actually suggested that they charge General Michael Flynn with the Logan Act, with breaching the Logan Act. So why is Biden not being indicted? I mean, we know the answer to that. All right, all that's coming up. So this week, President Biden made the following statement. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear how Democrats look at a crisis. Okay, President Biden made the following statement. He was discussing climate change in the White House, his climate change initiative. And President Biden, this is a direct quote, the climate crisis presents a real and incredible economic opportunity to create jobs and lift the standard of living for people around the world. So literally, this is the words. They, they don't even hide it. You remember, never let a good crisis go to waste. That was Rahm Emanuel, uh, Obama's top advisor. Never let a good crisis go to waste. So they literally admit it. They admit they don't even realize what they're saying. The climate crisis, this is Biden's statement, presents a real and incredible economic opportunity to create jobs and lift up the standard of living for people. Are you kidding me? This climate crisis, the thing you've been warning us about, that you keep telling us that the end of the world is only like a few years away, irreversible damage, right, in the year 2029 or 2030, and you keep telling us how much of a disaster this is, how catastrophic this is going to be. The climate crisis presents a, an incredible opportunity, an incredible economic opportunity. This is how Democrats, make no mistake, this is literally how they view the world. You cannot make this stuff up. So that's why they don't even realize to hide it, because to them this is actually okay, where it's like, oh, well, look, we have this major crisis. Well, great, we can spend trillions. And they're going to say to us, well, how you're spending trillions, you're, 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 you're creating fake jobs for poor unemployed people and you're going to say well blame it on the climate and you're doing all you know all sorts of different social programs say well I'm blaming it on the climate and you say well how are you going to justify trillions of dollars in spending oh the answer is it's the climate it's a crisis so we have no choice but we have to spend this money the the the, the green new deal right ocasio's green new deal right is projected to spend to, to cost up to 90 trillion 90 trillion dollars the green new deal and remember ocasio the architect of the green new deal ocasio cortez's own advisor remember he there are comments where he said well this is basically an, an economy thing it's not a climate thing it's an economy thing but we're calling it a climate thing because that we know that way we know we can get it passed. Well, Biden literally said this just the other day. The climate crisis presents an incredible economic opportunity. All right. So General Mark Milley. And look, we are going to get to this the horrific uh, tragedy in Afghanistan. And speaking of Mark Milley, you know, the, now the military has admitted we told you about this, but the military now admits that they actually killed, they murdered 10 civilians. They thought they were killing an ISIS terrorist and preventing an attack on Kabul airport. It turns out that the Joe Biden military in Afghanistan, based on false information, false intelligence, they actually killed 10 innocent civilians, including women and children. Where's the outcry? We're going to get to all of that. But uh, Milley defended it. Mark Milley actually defended it. I'm not saying he's still defending it, but even after uh, the attack, the drone strike, where 
it was being reported by multiple eyewitness accounts that it was actually it actually killed civilians and not an ISIS terrorist. Milley said, no, this was very good intel. He not only defended the intel, but uh, he said this was very strong intelligence. We had very reliable sources. So what is he smoking? What's he talking about? But um, but it's been exposed this week that General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this is in a book by Bob Woodward. He actually called the China's military leader. This is his counterpart, the Chinese military leader, uh, General Li, General Li Zhaochang of the People's Liberation Army, that the, the the top military leader in China. And Mark Milley called him twice under Trump. Trump is the president. And Milley calls him and says, I don't want you to worry. I know you're worried. There's a lot of disarray, discord, chaos in America right now. We're not going to attack you. And he literally told China, if we if we plan to attack you, I'm going to give you the heads up first. This is literally according to reports, but Milley confirmed the reports himself. He told China, this General Lee, he said, if we're going to attack you, it's not going to be a surprise. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. And essentially what's coming out now, and Milley's defending it, and Milley is saying, oh, this is routine, and you have a bunch of establishment people saying, no, this is routine. You know, you have these calls with uh, China all the time and Chinese military leaders and a bunch of people on the calls. It's routine. It's routine for them to say, if our president, my boss, if he decides to attack you, I'm going to give you the heads up. Oh, by the way, did President Trump know this call was taking place? No, he did not. So there's nothing routine about this. Um, This is a book by... Bob Woodward, and let me quote you here from the story, Milley has been at the center of a firestorm after reports that he made two calls to General Li Zhaocheng to assure him the United States was not going to suddenly go to war with or attack China. The book essentially says that Milley was afraid that Trump would alienate China, so he wanted to stay on China's good side. Here's the thing. China is our enemy, and if the president wants to attack China, the president is allowed to attack China, and if he has to worry about his top general calling up China and saying, I just wanted to give you the heads up here. We're going to attack you. Uh, I, I mean, are you kidding me? And then Milley's claiming that this is somehow not treasonous and that this is somehow uh, business as usual. So here are the details. The first call took place on October 30th, four days before Election Day, where he assured him, don't worry, we're not going to attack China. But the, the really bad one here is was the second call on, on January 8th, two days after the insurrection of the Capitol. And... Um, he basically was saying, listen, people were concerned that, like, Trump was going to go off the rails and do something that uh, is considered controversial, do something possibly dangerous. So Milley, so China's worried. China's sitting there. Oh, who knows what Trump's going to do? He only has a few more days in office. Look at the Capitol insurrection. So Milley calls China. But here, that's not the, wor- that, that's not the worst part of this. The worst part of this is that Milley, a- according to reports, he said, here's a quote from the call. If we are going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. And uh, according to the book, Milley assured uh, General Lee, quote, the American government is stable. Everything's going to be okay. We are not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you. I mean, can we please let China be surprised? Can we please let China, who, by the way, released and and is um, guilty of this horrific, horrific pandemic amongst many, many other crimes, can we at least let them be shaking a little bit? Can we at least let them not know what to expect? And now they think they have an inside man basically saying, wink, wink, you know, don't worry, I'm going to undermine Trump if need be. So here's the thing now, I, I see multiple Democrats who are suddenly like defending not only Milley here, but they're defending China and talking about how, oh yeah, we cannot attack China. I've literally seen Democrats say, you know what, Milley was right. Did he commit treason? Perhaps. Was he betraying Trump? Perhaps. But Trump was crazy. This is what they say. Trump was crazy. And anyway, we can't attack China because that could trigger a nuclear war. 
That's it. Like, you can't attack China now. That's it. Like, China's off limits. We can't do anything to China. When did China become, and not because they're the good guys even, but because, number one, Trump is crazy. And Trump doesn't like China, but he's crazy, so we have to like China. And number two, they're basically saying, well, you can't attack China. China is too strong. Well, hello. I mean, can you remember Reagan? You remember the Soviet Union? Like, that mentality doesn't work. Oh, well, China, don't touch China. This is the Democrat mentality, but that's not really what's bothering me really is that they believe that they can somehow defend Milley because what they're saying is, yeah, you can undermine the commander in chief as long as you think he's crazy. This is a many, many Democrats. I've seen this. uh, They're doing this on social media. They're defending Milley and saying, well, what do you expect from Milley? Yes, it's routine. Well, what's routine about it? Because Trump was crazy. So, yes, the basically, yes, the um, chairman of the Joint Chiefs can basically call our enemy and say, don't worry, I'm going to protect you from the president, from an attack by the president. This is the, the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs calling our arch enemy China, the communist country, the country who's like our biggest existential threat. Oh, don't worry. If Trump wants to attack you, I'm going to call you ahead of time and I'm going to give you the heads up. It won't be a surprise. And that's okay. Well, why is that okay? Because Trump is crazy. And um, the other thing is this, Democrats are saying, so they're saying it's routine. The other thing is that John Bolton said, he's not a Democrat, but so, suddenly he, he has become one, which is really, really stunning to me. And Bolton today, Sunday, he said, well, there were a lot, he said, I don't need to see to hear, see a transcript of the call. I, why do you not need to see a transcript of the call? Because there were multiple people on the call. The call doesn't happen with Millie alone. There's other people on the call at the Pentagon. So if there had been treason committed, uh, somebody would blow the whistle. Somebody, I don't need to see a transcript because somebody would blow the whistle. Well, excuse me, I remember under Trump how everybody, and Bolton was very, very anti-Trump during the impeachment at that point. Remember that uh, and there was a whole controversy whether he'd be called to testify or not, but he, he made his, his feelings very, very vocal about how much he dislikes and despises Trump. Well, everybody wanted to see a transcript of the Trump call, and Trump kept saying, there's so many people on the call, you don't need to worry. And I understand there was a whistleblower, but remember, the whistleblower never heard the call. The whistleblower, this is very, very uh, uh, misreported and, and, and underreported by the, by the mainstream media, of course, that the whistleblower did not actually was not on the call. So that doesn't mean anything to me, the fact that there was someone who blew the whistle, because that was just, all that was was purely political, as we know. But the point is, and we know that that, that the the whistleblower himself was somebody who was basically in cahoots with Biden and Obama for many years, because we know the identity. But getting back to this, suddenly nobody needs to see the transcript when it's Millie, when it's Trump. Oh, we need to see the transcript. And Trump released the transcript right away. But with Millie, we're not going to get a transcript from Biden, how much you want to bet. And with Millie, oh, we don't need to see the transcript because there's so many people on the call. Unbelievable double standard. And look, to me, this is totally insubordination at the very least. Borderline treason. I I mean, totally undermining the chain of command because Millie decided, Millie decided, you know what? Trump is unstable. It's like that's as long as all the rules, right? All the rules that the Democrats believe in, like as long as it's to get Trump, suddenly all those rules are out the window because Oh, Trump is unstable. So, yeah, you can basically, like, a general gets to basically decide, well, I'm going to undermine my commander in chief. I mean, imagine if this were a Republican and it were Biden, right? Imagine if a Republican were doing this with with, with, um, with Joe Biden, basically, uh, basically undermining Joe Biden. And try to remember, by the way, you know, with the whole Russia collusion, bogus Russia collusion narrative, uh, y- you had a situation where Jared Kushner had a back channel. Um, phone line with Russia because during the transition from Obama to Trump, Jared Kushner needed to be in touch with Russia, but they couldn't do it through White House channels because the Democrat was in office. So, and that was typical, by the way. And remember, that was a bombshell report, and the mainstream media made it out as though somehow Kushner was colluding with Russia because there was a back channel 
um, communication line between Jared Kushner and between Trump's team and Russia. And that and that really was routine. That really was routine, unlike this thing with Milley. And yet, of course, the media accused uh, Trump and Kushner of colluding with Russia. So it really, really is just disgraceful. All right. send a, And is Mark Milley going to be in any way held accountable for this? Of course. Now, Biden has already uh, uh, reaffirmed his full confidence in Mark Milley. So why is that no surprise? Send us an email, uh, josh at joshmshow.com, josh at joshmshow.com. We do read every email. We do try to respond to as many emails as possible. So please get in touch. All right. So John Durham, his grand jury has indicted a lawyer of Hillary Clinton for lying to the FBI. It's one felony count of lying to investigators, lying to the FBI. This is Michael Sussman. And he lied. He allegedly lied. This is interesting. Now, again, this is a nobody, a no-name, somebody we have never heard of. This is one measly ca- count. I don't believe he's ever going to get jail time. I think they're going to cut a deal, which is what they always do. Kleinsmith, right? Kevin Kleinsmith, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first Durham indictment. I don't think I don't think he it, it spent any time in jail either. So it's just a slap on the wrist. It's just a token um Indictment once again, and the real bad guys, the real corruption, the real deep state operatives, they are allowed to get away. They spy on Trump. They discredited Trump. They they, they, they were responsible for the whole Bob Mueller investigation, that special counsel, which was a total disaster. And uh, it really just is, is unbelievable how everybody, all the bad guys get away with it. And here we have an indictment of Michael Sussman. And listen to what Michael Sussman did. Michael Sussman was actually not only he worked for the Hillary campaign, and, and here's what he did: presented. Remember the Steele dossier and all that fake information that they had, claiming that Trump was colluding with Russia. So Michael Sussman, he was the guy who who he, he worked for Perkins Cole or Perkins Coy, the um, the legal uh, the, the 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 legal team, the law firm working for Hillary, and he presented the FBI with dirt on President Trump. And of course, we, now we know that dirt has been debunked and it, and it was fabricated. But he presented false evidence to the FBI. That's not what he was indicted for, but, uh, you know, alleging Trump-Russia collusion. But where he lied is they asked him, or at least the place where we're, be, we're indicting him for lying, the, the lie that we know that he told, at least based on John Durham, who knows how many lies he told, was that uh, he wasn't working for anybody. Now, this is a very, very important detail that he omitted, okay? They asked him, are you working for anybody? You're doing this on the, on your own when he's, pre- he's presenting the FBI with dirt on uh, uh, President Trump, right? Candidate Trump at the time. This was 2016, the c- candidate Donald Trump. And they said, well, who are you working for? I'm not working for anybody. I'm just doing this on my own. I'm a concerned citizen. That's what he claimed. Well, it turns out he was working for Hillary Clinton's campaign. Well, that makes a very big difference then. Who's the source? We have, we have dirt on Trump alleging Trump-Russia collusion. Trump is a candidate. Well, who's the source? Well, it's just some random lawyer, just some, some conscientious person who wants to present dirt to the FBI. No, actually, actually, it's Hillary Clinton's own campaign. It's the opposition candidate. I mean, are you kidding me? And she was deeply embedded in the FBI. Hillary's people had close contact with the Obama-Comey FBI. I understand that Comey was prosecuting her or, or investigating her at the time as well. But still, we know there were many, many, many deep state operatives who were working for Hillary uh, on the card on the Carter Page spying the FISA, you know, Spygate and all of that. But um, that that was this lie here. So the former Perkins Coy attorney um, was indicted, as I said, one federal count lying, making a full statement to a federal agent. Um, 
So uh, he provided evidence of a secret communication channel between Donald Trump and Russia. Look at the irony here. Sussman provided evidence to the FBI. He's working for Hillary, and he provided evidence to the FBI of a secret communication channel between Donald Trump and Russia. And it's like here we have Mark Milley. The same week, Mark Milley has a secret communication channel with General Lee. And uh, I don't know if it was back channel or not back channel, but it was secret from Trump. That's all that I care about is he was hiding it from Trump. And, uh, you know, getting back to this Mark Milley thing for a second, why was he hiding it from Trump? If you're going to speak to literally a foreign government and an enemy, you're going to speak to an enemy and you're going to assure them, don't worry, there won't be any surprises, I'll alert you to an attack. And it's like you're going to say, well, this was routine. Well, did did you tell Trump? It wasn't an oversight. That's the kind of thing you got to tell the president. I'm running it by the president. Unless you have something to hide, why are you not? I understand you don't run every call by the president, but but isn't this a pretty big one? Uh, let me l- alert China. They don't need to worry about an attack, and if there is an attack, then we'll give them the heads up. Well, can you can you run that by the commander of chief? Obviously, well, I just forgot. I didn't think it was necessary. No, obviously, there's one reason you're not running it by Trump, and Trump has said he had no knowledge of this. Clearly, that's because you you you, you know that Trump is going to tell you no, and you're trying to undermine Trump. There is no debating that. Um, anyway, back to so I call that a secret back channel. All right, so here's the question now. Uh, Is this Sussman, Michael Sussman, is he going to spend one day in prison? Maybe they'll give him two weeks. Maybe they'll give him a month. I doubt, first offense, I doubt it. I'm assuming it's his first offense, although why would I, who knows? Who knows what this man is guilty of? But Merrick Garland, the um, Democrat attorney general under Biden, He's not. He's going to cut a deal with him. By the way, Kleinsmith, if I'm not mistaken, that was that actually happened under Trump, and uh, and even he didn't spend any time in jail. And and there were so many. There were so many Democrat Hillary operatives who were anti-Trump who, who barely spent any time in jail. It's like always. It's always the Trump people who end up going to jail. You know, like Roger Stone who ends up getting sentenced to jail. But um, you know, or Michael Flynn, who that was a whole mess but like when it's when it's when it's Hillary people and Democrats and Obama people somehow they always end up cutting a deal I mean it's just totally outrageous all right so the Pentagon has admitted and are there going to be any other indictments from John Durham and I know there's supposed to be a report that we're eventually going to see from John Durham you know that that report is not going to be what we want I'm sure of it and plus you know for all we know the Biden DOJ you know, they're going to either whitewash the report or suppress the report. So I'm not holding my breath here. We'll wait and see. How many years does this take already? John Durham, just give us whatever you got. If you can't, if you can't, haven't found it by now, then you're not going to find it. All right, so the Pentagon has admitted this tragic, tragic, just horrific, horrific mistake. And, and, and it was a mistake, but it was negligence. In other words, obviously they weren't attempting to kill innocent civilians, but it was extremely negligent. It was a crowded block. I mean, when Israel... Uh, attacks civilian area, right? What do they do, Israel? And we know this. Hamas will literally um, attack Israel from civil, from densely populated c- civilian areas to try to lure Israel into attacking back. And then Israel, they'll go and they'll send text messages and, and, and leaflets and flyers. They'll drop warning everybody, evacuate, evacuate, because we're going to bomb. And Israel, they bend over backward. They do everything humanly possible to avoid civilian casualties. And yet they still get blamed. Hamas is the ones who their, their missiles, their rockets misfire. Kill civilians, Israel get blamed. Look at the double standard, how Biden actually killed, targeted civilians, targeted women and children. I understand it was it was a mistake because they thought they were targeting ISIS. But number one, they still knew that there were possibly women and children around. That they knew because even the suspected terrorist turned out to be an innocent person. But putting that aside, they, they knew that they were killing a bunch of other people who were nearby. Or they knew that it was at least was a distinct possibility. And yet... Where's the media? Where are the same people who uh, who, who who condemn and, and, and blast Israel? Meanwhile, um, what's really horrific is that the intel here, 
they they really did not have any conclusive evidence. They, they, they there was a video. The New York Times examined the video and said that there was no conclusive evidence on the video that this person was an ISIS terrorist. It was just really a bunch of speculation. They thought he was loading explosives. This was a U.S. aid worker. He was he was an Afghani, but he worked for a U.S. aid group. And it's really, really heartbreaking and tragic, but he was loading water canisters into his car. For some reason, they decided, the intel people decided. I mean, this is a an epic failure of intelligence, and we've had many of these on Afghanistan. Afghanistan has been a disaster, but, like, this exposes, yet again, how incompetent the intel agencies are. Is anybody going to get fired? Is anybody going to be held accountable? Will anybody be prosecuted? All indications are, forget prosecuted, nobody's even going to get fired over this. But, um... Yeah, you know, they, 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 they saw him, like, traveling to a few different places. It turns out he was picking up co-workers. They thought he was traveling from an ISIS safe house. But, again, there was no, there was no hard evidence that he was traveling from an ISIS safe house. He, was, he made a stop nearby an ISIS safe house. But none of that, none of that is conclusive proof at all. So the way I am viewing this is, uh, you know, unless somebody tells me otherwise, how could this have happened? How could this have happened um, where they have really no conclusive evidence, obviously, because it, it, was, it wasn't true, but no conclusive evidence that this man is a terrorist, except just this video suggested to them maybe he was near a safe house, and maybe those are explosives. Oh no, they're water canisters. Hello, and you go in and you go and you fire a drone against uh, at his car, and and you blow him up, and you blow up a bunch of innocent women and children. What's going on here? So to me, and remember, remember the setting. This is right after a couple of days after that Kabul attack, that airport attack in Kabul airport, and uh, and Biden vowed revenge. He claims that there was another drone strike where they claimed that they killed two ISIS terrorists. Although who knows if that's even accurate. But um, and then this attack where they said, oh, they were thwarting an imminent threat against the Kabul airport where there was going to be explosives brought and detonated at the Kabul airport. Well, it turns out those are water canisters. So the answer to me is that once again, the Biden government, the Biden administration put pressure on the intel people, said, listen, we need something. We need you to come up with ISIS terrorists. And they were panicking. This was political. I believe this was political. I believe that there was a lot of pressure on the intel agencies to come up with something. And they said, oh, you know what? This video, maybe this will help us because... We're tracking this person, and maybe those are explosives, and maybe he's a member of ISIS. Well, maybe not. Maybe he's an innocent U.S. aid worker, and uh, maybe that's water. Well, so in in his trunk, and not and not a bomb. So it's really te- it's really really so sad because it, this had to have been politically motivated. Again, does it mean am I trying to suggest that politically they were targeting kids? No, that's not my point. My point is that it was sloppy, and it, the reason it was sloppy is because there was a lot of pressure. You've got to come up with some narrative here because we got it. We have to look like we're retaliating against ISIS and preventing attacks. And meanwhile. This exposes Biden's total incompetence. Biden and his government, I mean, they are the most incompetent, inept uh, administration in in U.S. history by far. It's already very, very clear. And even Chuck Todd is turning on Biden, as we're going to explain. So the mainstream media is starting to jump ship because this Biden administration, as we predicted, you know, with a man in charge who clearly is in cognitive decline and not really in charge at all and just does what they tell him and who knows what the agendas are of the people who are really controlling Biden— this is a total disaster. This is a nightmare. It's actually worse. I expected it to be bad. I didn't expect it to unravel this quickly. I- I'm just amazed at how this uh, government is completely falling apart at the seams. And remember, I want to compare it to Soleimani over here. Because remember, uh, under Soleimani, re- I'm sorry, remember when under Trump, remember when Trump assassinated Qasem Soleimani. Right? I want to show you the difference in, re- in response here by the Democrats. Uh, Biden kills 10 innocent civilians. Right. Says it was ISIS denied for days that it was innocent civilians, even though we knew there was. And yet right now there's very, very minimal response. Adam Schiff is going to investigate. OK, wonderful. That, that's going to get us really far. But like there's been very minimal outcry against Biden for killing innocent women and children. Remember what Trump did? Trump rid the world of 
the biggest terror mastermind on the planet, the, the, the head of the Quds Force in Iran, Qasem Soleimani. He literally, Trump assassinated the most evil man or one of the most evil men on the planet. And what was the response? Oh, he's going to trigger World War III. How could Trump do this? This is irresponsible. Do you remember Congress? People seem to have forgotten this. Congress voted, including some Republicans, Congress voted to strip President Trump of his war powers, of his power to attack Iran. People forget this. After Trump assassinated Soleimani, Democrats were so outraged, this man is reckless, that we can't allow this man. They voted to strip him of his power to attack Iran, to attack a foreign enemy without congressional approval. And Trump vetoed that bill. It passed, and Trump vetoed that bill. So they actually voted to take away Trump's power. So here's the the hypocrisy is out of control. You have Trump killing this evil, evil terrorist, and they respond by saying, we're not going to let you do that again. <laughs> You're not going to let you do that again. We're going to take away your power. And he had to veto the bill, as opposed to Biden has the power to kill 10 innocent civilians inadvertently, thinking they're killing an ISIS terrorist, total, total negligence and worse. And uh, what, what's their response? So far, nothing. So far, there's been really no outcry against Biden at all. I mean, it, it really does boggle the mind. All right. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has deleted a tweet saying, we stand with the people of Hong Kong. Um, the original tweet said, they changed the tweet around, but we stand with the people of Hong Kong. Apparently, they're worried. Uh, look, they have some kind of lame excuse, but clearly what happened here is that uh, Blinken is worried about offending China. So the original tweet said, quote, Beijing should let the voices of all Hong Kongers be heard. The PRC's disqualification of district councilors only weakens uh, that's People Republic of China, PRC, uh, only weakens Hong Kong's long-term political and social stability. We stand with the people of Hong Kong, continue to support their human rights and fundamental freedoms. But then that tweet was mysteriously deleted, and then it was replaced by this tweet. Quote, the PRC's disqualification of seven pro-democracy district councils undermines the ability of people in Hong Kong to participate in their governance. Governments should serve the people they represent. De- decreasing representation goes against the spirit of Hong Kong's basic law. So a much more watered-down version. The first version said, we stand with the people of Hong Kong and continue to support their human rights and fundamental freedoms. That was mysteriously deleted in the second version of the tweet. We wouldn't want to offend China. After all, Mark Milley is very good, very good friends with China. All right, so The Hill, there's a new story out today. The Taliban is reneging on its pledge not to abuse women and not to violate women's rights. And why are we not at all surprised? Um, The Taliban, they pledged that they were going to treat women better. They're not going to revert to their old ways. The Taliban used to be extremely, I mean, abusive and harsh against women. I mean, just, 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 uh, you know, they believe obviously in Sharia law and uh, in a really extreme version of it where, they, uh, they violate women's rights in many, many ways, and they, you know, they, they, they abuse and torture women in a lot of cases. So the Taliban kept promising Biden. They promised. They kept promising Biden that uh, they weren't going to do this again, that they have now reformed their ways. And, of course, as we told you, they, they said whatever they needed to say to get Biden out of there, and that's all they were doing. They didn't mean it for a second. Well, now the Taliban—by the way, I have a, a, a really interesting theory— about how maybe Trump set up Biden with the whole Afghanistan debacle. I'll get to that in a moment. But the Taliban is now telling uh, female workers in Kabul that they shouldn't come to work. The Taliban is banning many, many women, most women in Kabul, from coming to work, city workers. So what they're saying is, this is according to The Hill, which is you know a, a leftist, biased mainstream media outlet, the Taliban has ordered all female city workers in Kabul who are able to be replaced by men to stay home. An indication, quoting the Hill, that the militant group now in control of Afghanistan is bringing back back its extreme interpretation of Islam, 
that it employed in the 90s. Well, aren't we shocked by that? Wow. I mean, is anybody surprised that they're reverting to what we know has been their philosophy for decades? I mean, come on. Uh, Of course they haven't changed. And uh, they're not a militant group. They're a terrorist group. But, of course, the Hill calls that a militant group. Kabul's interim mayor, uh, Hamdallah Namoni, said only women who cannot be replaced by men like skilled design workers are going to be permitted to report to work. They're still getting paid. They're on paid leave because the decision is not permanent yet. But, like, come on here. So here's a quote from the Hill. Quote, after taking power in Afghanistan, the Taliban signaled they would be more moderate than when they previously held power. However, parts of the international community expressed skepticism. During the 90s, the Taliban banned women and girls from receiving an education and working. They were not permitted to leave their homes without a man, essentially trapping some female Afghans in their own homes. In the past, before the pullout, um, Taliban spokesperson Zabahullah Mujadid said, quote, They can be doctors, teachers, be educated, and can work to benefit society. They are our sisters. We must show them respect. They should not be frightened. The Taliban's are humans and from this country. They fought for our country. Women should be proud of us, not scared, end quote. Of course he was saying that because he needed Biden to follow through with the pullout. Which brings me to my theory here, which is maybe Trump set up Biden all along. Maybe this was sabotage where they knew that Biden would totally, totally um, mess up the uh, the Afghanistan pullout. Because remember, Trump negotiated the Afghanistan pullout. Now, I keep saying again and again, when Trump does things, he does it right. I don't believe that Trump would have done the pullout. Everyone says, you know, Democrats say, oh, well, Biden messed up the pullout. That wasn't Biden's fault. Trump is the one who wanted the pullout. So this was a Trump policy. Number one, that doesn't excuse it because Biden kept telling us it would be fine and it wasn't fine. They didn't know what they were talking about. Number two, Trump would have done it right. I believe that Trump, if he had done the pullout, he would have done it right. He would have left the military in. He would have kept control of the of, of Bagram Air Force Base. Come on. But putting all that aside, maybe it was all a setup. Maybe Trump never planned to pull out of Afghanistan. I really believe this is a possibility where this is a failsafe, a backup plan, when they realized Biden actually might win the election in, in the middle of 2020. Uh, so maybe the Trump people say, no, we're going to negotiate a, a, a pullout. We're going to negotiate with the Taliban. And it's going to be a, a disaster because it's never going to work. The Taliban will take over the country, but we're not going to follow through. If, if Trump wins re-election, they'll just back out of the whole deal. But if Biden wins the election, Biden's not going to have a choice because Biden himself pledged to pull out of Afghanistan. So Biden didn't have a choice but to keep Trump's pledge. And they knew that the Taliban was much stronger than the Afghan army and that there was no chance in the world that Biden could succeed. And they knew that it would become chaotic and exactly what took place and what transpired in Afghanistan would happen. So maybe Trump actually set Biden up knowing that Biden would be forced to actually follow through and knowing that this would be a disaster. I mean, of all the of all the messes, of all the of all the incompetencies of the Biden presidency, Afghanistan is by far the worst and the biggest embarrassment. I mean, this is such humiliation. And uh, the media has totally turned on Biden with Afghanistan. It could be that all came from Trump, that Trump actually set him up. And think of the irony here where, like, Biden keeps saying, well, you know, this was Trump's negotiation. Trump is the one who negotiated the pullout, not us, so blame Trump. Yeah, maybe maybe Trump did exactly. That's exactly what happened because Trump actually set you up. Chuck Todd, who uh, is pretty pretty liberal. He's NBC. He holds Meet the Press, but he's quite, quite biased to the left. Even he has been really, really coming down hard on Biden. He said, quote, today, he said, quote, uh, he was on some other show, not not his own show, some other NBC show. And he said, quote, I think he's got a a, a pretty big credibility crisis because of all these problems, um, because all these problems showed up after he said something basically the exact opposite. So Chuck Todd is pointing out that Biden keeps promising things. And then the exact opposite of what he promises is what happens. He said, quote, Afghanistan withdrawal was not going to be messy. It wasn't going to look like Saigon. The booster shots, Biden came out and essentially said, 
eight months, even indicated we should start it as soon as five months. Now we're not sure if anybody under 65 is going to get a booster shot. Then Todd addressed the border saying that, yes, it was an issue with other administrations, but it wasn't it wasn't this bad. He said, quote, we can talk about the border problems, say they're years in the making, but it's pretty clear we have a bigger problem now than we've had in years. And these policies have turned into becoming a magnet. So Chuck Todd actually saying that 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 Biden's border policies have become a magnet for illegals. I mean, that's clearly what he was saying. Uh, it, it, it's a magnet for illegals, which is exactly right. So Chuck Todd there, pretty stunning words there, turning on Joe Biden. Stunning new details have emerged in the, um, remember the assassination of Iran's top nuclear scientist last year, Mohsen Fakhrizada, that amazing, amazing uh, assassination where out of nowhere there was a pickup truck and it essentially attacked um, Mohsen Fakhrizada, Iran's top nuclear scientist, just totally out of the blue. And he was pretty well protected. He had, you know, he did have a security detail. So there are now stunning new details there was no human being. The question was how Mossad got away with it because uh, clearly this was done by the Mossad and uh, th- there was no firefight and, and they're basically, the, it's not clear at all how the killers got away. The people who were the assassins who who, who, who basically gunned down Fakhrizada, how did they get away? I mean, because they were like right there and, and, and he had the security detail who was, you know, firing back, who was responding. Who, so, so, so how did they get away? The answer is that there was nobody in the pickup truck. It was done by a robot. According to a new report, the, the assassination was carried out by a robot. Uh, so he was killed in an ambush. There was a pickup truck on the side of the road. Now we it's being reported that there was nobody in the truck. There was, the, the murder weapon was fired by a killer robot. The person who actually pulled the trigger, who pressed the button, was a 1,000 miles away. But there's nobody in the truck. So they, they actually, the Mossad was able to assassinate this nuclear scientist, Fakhrizada, using a robot. Uh, which is pretty amazing, obviously, because it means that, you know, it obviously minimizes the risk a great deal of this kind of operation. And it's extremely frustrating. And that, that, that is why there was no kind of no, no firefight. And, uh, you know, there was basically no killer who was able to be, you know, be a sitting duck, basically, sitting there in the middle of Iran carrying out the. Now, they're able to do it. They sometimes drive up on motorcycles and quickly speed away. But uh, obviously, this is a much safer option. And uh, then. At that point, they actually blew up the pickup truck. The Israelis blew up the pickup truck. However, uh, it seems that that explosion didn't go as well as they wanted because the robot uh, wasn't destroyed. They were hoping the robot would be destroyed. The robot remained intact. It was damaged but remained intact, which means that the Iranians possibly have access to that technology and are able to um, possibly reverse engineer it and, and, and figure out how to copy it, which is obviously not be a very good thing. All right, we have a lot more to get to, but we're going to have to wait until next time. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.